Super Talk Mississippi media production. Joining us on the College Corner Hotline, which we now have we now have a hotline, and it's sponsored by College Corner. Breaking, breaking news to me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's the hotline. College Corner, <laughs> two locations in Jackson, in the Jackson area, Fleet, Fleet, by Fleet Feet in Ridgeland, or by and over there in, by, in Flowood by uh, the Half Shell, the largest and best selection of MSU merchandise you can find. Shop at either location or online at collegecornerstore.com and get the maroon and white merchandise you're looking for. Maybe you need to get a goodbye gift because a friend went away. But then a friend will come back from time to time, and that's what's going to happen this weekend as we will welcome back one of our prodigal sons, Brett Hudson, now covering the Alabama Crimson Tide for the Tuscaloosa News. Brett, you are the you. This is the the maiden voyage of the hotline, and you are the captain. You know, I, it's it's a serious honor, and, and I have to wonder: does this come with a, a weather themed nickname like the Thunder and Lightning deal y'all have here? Do I do I am I rain? Am I like no. cloud cover? Well, you you might depending on what you say, you might end up being sunshine. You don't know. That's true. That's true. So we'll, That's we'll, true. We'll, we'll name you after the segment. I'll probably be rain. Okay. You know, you know Alabama. You know Mississippi State. You've seen both of these teams. S- sell me on a way. I don't know if wins the question. I don't think. I don't think win is what I want to ask. But how Mississippi State slows down Alabama. Oh, slows down. Um, I think you might want to do the opposite. I think you might want to find a way to score with Alabama as opposed to slowing it down. I'm not sure that slowing it down is really a thing that's, that's possible when, when they have this wide receiver core that is as preposterously awesome as it is. And you combine it with a Steve Sarkeesian offense, and I realize the the small sect of Atlanta Falcons fans listening are about to get triggered, but a Steve Sarkeesian offense that actually uses those weapons the way they should be used and uses them pretty pretty intelligently um, for, for the most part. Uh, when, when you have those kinds of weapons, it's, uh, it's, it's going to be tough to, to slow them down. I think you're, you're – and this goes for everybody, not just Mississippi State, but we also just kind of saw LSU do this. You kind of got to outscore – Alabama, because I don't know that you can slow it down enough to win a game in like the twenties and thirties. I don't know that that's a that's a thing that a, a college defense can do, just because this wide receiver group is is so ridiculously good that even if Tua doesn't play in this game and it's Mac Jones, like he, Mac Jones can make the easier throws in this offense, and they can turn those into, into huge plays. I, I don't know how many times I've seen an eight-yard slant turn into a 65-yard touchdown in, in this offense just because these wide receivers are so ridiculously fast. Um, so if I, were, if I were Mississippi State or any team that has to face Alabama from, from here on out, I would tend to focus more on finding ways to score with Bama than slowing it down because I'm not 100% sure slowing it down is – something that's really in the cards. We, we had the chance to talk to Bob Shoup finally uh, th- this, this very evening as we're talking. And uh, he had an interesting point, and, sort of, and Jaquarius Landrieu sort of echoed it a little bit later, and he said that one of the problems people have against Alabama is they play off those receivers trying not to get beat deep. But those receivers are so good after the catch, you leave them so much space. He thinks it might be wiser to just get up in there and try to jam them off the line and then take your chances getting beat deep. 
because they because like you said they can turn these little short slant routes into 60 70 yard touchdowns what do you think of what Shoop's saying there it's it's a good observation i think that's i mean i think that's what i would do because if you watch the alabama south carolina game that's exactly what you're going to see you're going to see south carolina putting enough bodies in the box and forcing the RPO game, right, forcing the, forcing the ball to be thrown based on the numbers in the box, and then they played their DBs off, fearful of, be, of being beat deep. So their, their basic ideology was don't let Bama run on us, force them to throw short passes and see if, basically see if they'll eventually make a mistake in trying to nickel and dime you. But they don't nickel and dime you. They, they hit Devontae Smith for a, a six-yard route who makes two guys miss, and it turns into a – 75-yard touchdown, or they hit Henry Ruggs on a slant, and he turned it into a 75-yard touchdown. That that play literally happened in the South Carolina game, a slant for 75 yards and a touchdown. And I, I think Bob Shoup and Jaquarius Landrews are right. I, I think that's the way you have to do it. And yeah, there are going to be times where you, if you live by that sword, you're going to die by that sword. There are probably going to be times where uh, one of them just gets the best of you, and you either have to hope that your safety is home and in the right position, or maybe they incomplete it or, or something. There are going to be times where that happens, but if you give them enough room to operate, you're basically allowing them to catch screens where they get in spread, uh, open field situations in one-on-ones, and that's a that's a recipe for for disaster. So I, I think they're right, even if they're even if you have a set of DBs that isn't talented enough to match up with Bama's wide receivers one-on-one, I think you got to at least give them the opportunity just because we, we've already seen what happens when you play off these Bama wide receivers. So you might as well give it a shot at playing on them. And there were times where you can disrupt the timing of, of the passing game by doing that. LSU did that a few times in, in the game. So why not see if you can disrupt the timing just enough times to give your offense a shot? I, I think he's right. That's exactly what I'd do. Two questions for you, Brett. The first one might not be too terribly uh, too, too terribly in-depth. It may just be a yes or a no, he is or he isn't. You talked about two a while ago. Uh, as a Miami Dolphins fan that I'm hoping, you know, they finish this year 2-14 and 14 now, they've inexplicably <laughs> won two games, uh, I, I would not mind seeing Tua as my future favorite quarterback. So, that said, I wouldn't mind seeing him play in front of my eyes on Saturday. What what? percentage chance do you give to it to play in this game on Saturday if you just had to if you just had to put a number on it I think it's actually 50 50 uh, I think it's actually a game time decision this time you know I think I don't think anybody like realistically believed Nick Saban when he said it was a 50 50 like a, when he said it was a game time decision for LSU I mean did anybody really believe that no y'all are more no I mean, y'all are more uh, qualified to answer that than I am because, like, y'all are more public-facing than, or, like, part of the public than I am when it comes to Alabama. Like, did anyone believe that? No, don't think so. Absolutely not. Yeah, uh, I don't think anybody believed it. And there was nothing that was going to hold to us out of that game. But this one is more 50-50 for a lot of reasons. One, because the, the ankle clearly started bothering him towards the end of, game, end of that game. And it was more than just him having that heavy limp as he was walking off the field. There were a few snaps in there. For people that watched the game really closely, there's one snap in the fourth quarter. I think it was on Bama's last possession. Tua takes a sack because he stays in the pocket for about 45 minutes, just holding the ball for no good reason. 
waiting for someone to come open. And a fully mobile Tua, or frankly most quarterbacks, would have just took off and run. There was, there was a patch of green grass in front of him, but he, he didn't do that because he clearly didn't have the mobility in his ankle. So the ankle took more damage and started bothering him more later in that game. And, and this time he has six days to turn around and play a game, not 20 from the last time when he set out the Arkansas game, had the open week before LSU. So in, in that situation, I don't think anybody really believed Nick Saban when he said Tua was a game-time decision. I don't know that anything was going to hold Tua out of that game, but I, I think it's actually going to be a game-time decision with Tua against Mississippi State. I think they're going to wake up on Saturday and see how the ankle feels and see how he reacts in warm-ups, and if he thinks he can go, they'll let him go, and if they'd rather him not, then, then they won't. I, I will say this, though. We're recording this Wednesday night, and apparently Nick Saban's uh, uh, update after Wednesday's practice was that Tua uh, showed some progress, and his soreness wasn't nearly as bad through Wednesday's practice as it was through, through Tuesday. So while that's good news for Joel and wanting to see Tua in person, it's, uh, it's probably bad news for people that want to see Mississippi State compete in this game. <laughs> and la- uh, my last thing, and then, and then Brian might, may have some more for you. You know, he's, he's just full of, full of questions over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, how much of a factor, it's obviously a factor, but how much of a factor is the motivation from losing the LSU game? Fans want to, you know, it's kind of a, a joke all the time that now LSU's ticked off Alabama. I mean, Strange Brew here in town's got the sign. Nick, we had nothing to do with last Saturday and things. You've been around that program this week. Um, does it seem like a, a ticked off bunch that's headed to Starkville on Saturday? Uh, it, it does. Uh, I will admit it. It does. They don't seem very. Uh very happy with with life <laughs> at this stage so maybe that gets vented on on mississippi state that's certainly possible but i think it's frankly i think it's more important that they vent it on everybody because if you kind of spend this towards bama's ultimate goal of getting back into the college football playoff conversation the committee valued so much the eye test and the dominance that bama showed before that loss to lsu so much so that they put Bama third over Penn State. Penn State had two top 20 wins at that point in time and was undefeated, of course. That was before going to Minnesota and getting, uh, row the boat pun here, boat race in that game. <laughs> and then that was with Bama playing more or less nobody but beating the Hades out of all of them. And they still put Bama over Penn State because they were so impressed with the, with the dominance. So if this committee can be swayed by beating the absolute brains out of average to below average teams, that's what Alabama needs to keep doing to keep themselves in that conversation. In the event they do get some help, like say a, a two-loss Oklahoma wins the Big 12, or even one-loss Big 12 champ for that matter, or a one-loss Pac-12 champ, if they can beat the crap out of Mississippi State and then do what they're supposed to do to Western Carolina and then win the Iron Bowl by, say, 14 or more, something in, in that range, I think that would be a fair threshold of, of dominance to continue to impress the committee. Now, is it enough to overcome those one-loss teams once they have conference championships on their resume? Um, I'm, I'm not sure fading towards a little skeptical of it, but it's also clear that they do need to continue that dominance because that dominance has already gotten them places that their resume is incapable of. 
One last question. You said that you know you think the best course of action for Mississippi State or for anybody is to try and and try to run with Alabama and try to put some points on the board. You've seen this Alabama defense. It's not the Alabama defense we've seen before in, the, in years past. There still very talented, but not as good. And I don't feel like that's disrespecting the Tide to to say that. Uh, so I guess the question is: You saw Mississippi State with a healthy Tommy Stevens. They they look you know Kylan Hill's running the ball pretty well. I don't think State can outscore. I don't think they can win. I don't think they can outscore them. But can they, you know, make it interesting offensively for for a few quarters? I think so. If they do the same things that, that LSU did, you have to find ways to attack all portions of the field to make the defense honest and, and make the middle of the field think. You know, they, they have inexperience in the middle of the field. Most of the attention goes on the inside linebackers, the freshmen Shane Lee and, and Christian Harris. Uh, and you'll see a little bit of Markel Benton in that role and some diamond quarter packages. Uh, so a lot of the attention goes there because it's mostly freshmen. And Markel Benton isn't. Benton is not a freshman, but he might as well be one just by experience. And then behind them at, at safety, uh, Xavier McKinney is back there sometimes in, in nickel, and he's playing at an All-American level right now. But since teams spend so much time in dime, these days, you're seeing uh, a Jared Maiden, who this is his first year starting, so he's, he's seeing a lot of things for the first time, and then a inexperienced Jordan Battle back there. So the, the middle of the field in, in Alabama's pass uh, coverage is, is inexperienced, and LSU did a pretty good job of exploiting that. They found ways to attack all portions of the field through the air. Joe Brady deserves a, a ton of credit there, and that includes the middle of the field. So if you can find ways to make this Alabama defense communicate and react on the fly and, and do things that they hadn't done to this point in the year, which there's a long list of those things. Since Again, we're talking about freshman linebackers. There are ways to, to move the ball in explosive plays and, and chunk plays, and that's how you can create scores and, and bunches. So I, I think Mississippi State is capable of that. Now it's the if the offensive game plan is good enough, that, that remains to be seen. But I think they're certainly capable of it because LSU, that game plan, LSU has elite athletes. I think we all know that. But that game plan would work with just above average athletes because it was savvy, it was intelligent, and it targeted the weaknesses of this Alabama defense. Well, I think your name should be partly cloudy because, uh, you know, you, there was a little sunshine poking through right there. Uh, I think just that that bit. was – that was uh, a little bit more optimistic than I expected. I'll be honest. I'll, I'll take I'll take partly cloudy. Yeah, I mean the spread or maybe mostly warm, sunny. Maybe we right? should go. Like, why don't you go? You should be going positive. Yeah, mostly sunny. Yeah, mostly sunny. I think I like that better. So. Well, I mean the spread was twenty one, right? And yeah. we expect Bama to score forty on basically everyone because they've scored forty on basically everyone. So if you're taking a a twenty one point spread, you're probably lining up somewhere in that 42 to 21 range, right? That would suggest State puts up three tutties on, on Bama. That's a respectable offensive performance, is it not? I would, I would, I would agree. agree, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. So we'll see what happens Saturday, 11 a.m., Davis Wade Stadium, Brett Hudson. We'll be back in the press box for the first time since he abandoned us to head over to Alabama and, <laughs> and greener pastures. All right, buddy, we'll see you on Saturday. Can't wait. Thanks, guys. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.